We're going to turn to John chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. And the verse before verse 1, the last verse of chapter 16 is, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's a message that I really want to speak to Emily. God, this is your word, inerrant, infallible, always able to draw us to yourself and transform us through the power of your living truth and your Holy Spirit. Speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who, that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name, the name you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. As I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. 
Then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13, where Jesus says, You're the, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight this day. For you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. So this will be the last message that I will preach to you from this pulpit. And I'm tempted to go on for hours. However, I learned in Sunday school this morning that I should not be selfish. I should not be self-centered, but God-centered. So I'm going to be God-centered today. And I want to encourage you, body of Christ, at Lebanon Evangelical Presbyterian Church, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. How do I know that? How does Janet know that? We've been, we've been among you for the last year and a half. Folks, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You are genuine. You are genuinely lovers of Jesus Christ. It's genuine. It's part of your fabric. You can't even shake it off if you want to. And every time I see this guy with his shoes off and he's going, that's the image that I'm going to take away. Because the worship is anointed here. Because you love Jesus. You live with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. I've heard just about every one of you testify about the blood of the Lamb. And I've heard the word of your testimony. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And believe me, in my eyes, the light of Jesus shines out of this place in such a wonderful way. Don't you ever forget that. And people who come into the family of Lebanon experience the salt because you are God's salt. You are the salt of the earth. And people experience that salt. And they experience the flavor 
and the presence of Jesus' love that just exudes and just continues to exude. And I bless the Lord and I praise the Lord that he's got a hold of your hearts. He's got a hold of you. And you come together as a family to love people in his name. And what I want to encourage you today is that last part in Revelation that I just quoted from. They triumphed over him. He's talking about the evil one who's been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And what I want to encourage you today is to think about the next line. Because I see that this is the one thing that the body of Christ needs to do together. I'm hearing about it in revival services. I've been to every revival service at Stuart Straff this past week, trying to be an encouragement, praying, watching what God is doing. And I heard the blood of the Lamb. I heard the word of their testimony. And they're united. But this last one is going to tell the tale as to whether or not those seven days and what they came together for is going to produce fruit for God's kingdom. And it is. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And I know a lot of people say, well, I'm not dead yet, so I, and, you know, when it comes upon me. But Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I don't live anymore. I died. And yesterday, there were 20 tents set up representing 20 ministries from this from Augusta County and even from Albemarle County, encouraging the church to come and say, I don't love my life because Jesus wants me to give my life up so that he is preeminent in the community. And I heard people in each of the booths saying, would you like to? Would you like to sign up? Would you like to volunteer? And I asked people when it, was, when it closed up yesterday, I said, did you get a lot of volunteers? Because I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go invest in a re-entry ministry in Augusta County. I'm going to invest. I'm going to attempt to say, God, I don't care if this kills me, right? I don't want to shrink from death. I don't want to shrink from what you need me to die to in my life so that I can make you known among all of those people that come out of jail and prison every day and there's nobody there to meet them. And so we had maybe about 15 people that came to the booth and, and I said, would you, like to, would you like to step forward and become a part of the ministry? He said, 
everyone said, no, I'll support it. I'll be an encouragement. I'll pray for you. How often times do we say that? I'll pray for you. But that's okay. Now, I don't expect everybody to come join in the New Mercies re-entry. But I do expect that the body of Christ is going to be passionate. Passionate. Because we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. God has given us a testimony. The only thing left is that we are willing to die to ourselves and experience that death so that Jesus can be made known in the community, so that Jesus can be made known and others can come into the kingdom. And what I'm talking about is, and, and I'm preaching this message to myself this morning, I'm talking about a passion that my heart beats for the same thing that God's heart beats for. And as I read the word, God, God's heart beats for the lost. God's heart beats for the broken. God's heart beats for the disoriented. God's heart beats for the person that is heading in the wrong direction. God's heart beats for them. And the church ought to be passionate about what God is passionate about. But the Holy Spirit keeps telling me over this past week that this is the reason why God's people don't get passionate, because we don't want to die. We don't want to die to ourselves so that we can pick up the cross of Christ and Christ can take us wherever he wants to, whatever he wants us to do. I think passion is really the seedbed of reaching a lost and dying world. We are called to be passionate. When Mel Gibson made the movie The Passion, how many of you have seen that? It's a number of, been a number of years ago. You know that Jim Cavazell, the same one that is in the, the Sounds of Freedom, Jim Cavazell was, was Jesus. And uh, somebody said, you notice the movie was the passion of Christ. It's not the boring religious obligation of Christ. Two weeks after it was released, Christine Kane, who is the author of the song, Shout to the Lord, Shout to the Lord, all the earth, okay, she lives in Australia, but she happened to be in Baton Rouge. And she's in a restaurant there two weeks after the movie was released. And she nudges her friend, and she points, and she said, Oh my gosh, there is Jesus! It was Jim Cavazell. And so she went over to Jim Cavazell, and she said, Hi, I'm Christine from Australia. She didn't say anything about shout to the Lord, nothing about her being a part of Hillsong. And Jim Cavazell stood up, and he's a very tall man, and he looked down at her, and he said, you know, I've noticed that there are not many believers in Australia. And Christine didn't know what to say. And for the next 15 minutes, Jim Cavazell full-on started witnessing to Christine about the cross, 
the blood of the lamb, the resurrection. He was so passionate, Christine said, I didn't have the heart to tell him I was a Christian. Because I was enjoying his passion for Jesus. He wasn't playing Jesus. He was witnessing for Jesus. We need, in the church of Jesus Christ, believers, servants, who are passionate because you and I are who God is sending out there to a lost and broken world. And we ought to be passionate about the same thing that God is passionate about. And I look at, I look at the church today, and, and I've said this before, I'm part of the body of Christ. I've said it before. How did we get so far from the mandate that God has for us? How did the church get so far from this mandate? How did we get settled into comfortable, institutionalized religion rather than going out and witnessing being salt and light in a broken and needy world that needs the gospel. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let your flavor be tasted by those who are not in the kingdom. I asked God for an illustration in the beginning of the week. I said, Lord, would you please give me an illustration this week? On Thursday, Janet and Rose and I went to see Emily. On the way back, and Janet had an appointment, and I was going to go see Rick in the hospital. And all of a sudden, I hear flat tire, right back, right back, right flat tire. I'm like, oh. I pulled to the side of the road. I said, Lord, if this is an illustration, this is a costly one. I just want you to know it. So I'm out there changing the tire. It was 95 degrees. I'm out and boom, boom, boom. They're, they're going by. I'm changing the tire. I happened to notice this uh, um, convertible go by. And, and then all of a sudden, before I know it, about 10 minutes later, the convertible is in front of us. And this lady comes and she says, can you use some help? I said, well, I'm, I'm just about finishing up, but I have to push these down. She said, I don't know anything about tires. I don't know why I'm here. But I just sensed that God wanted me to come. And then she goes and on and tells us the story that she's a Christian. She was God, the Holy Spirit, was calling her to start a Bible study with five friends that don't know Jesus. And she's been fighting it for weeks. So she comes and goes, and Janet and I, we laid our hand on her, and I said, you're an angel. Do you realize that? God sent you. I said, you are salt. You are the salt of the earth. 
And if you don't think that she was the salt of the earth, well, I'm trying to push this thing down, and I've got no energy. Praise God that she was there. She took it the rest of the way. I don't think I could have done it. But we laid hands on her and, and prayed for her, and then I reached into my trunk, and I took out five diatessarons. And I gave them to her. And she starts crying. I mean crying. And she said, this, this, is just, this is just what God wanted me to know, that I am to take the word to these five people, and I'm taking these diatessarons, and I'm going to read the word with them. Praise God. I mean, I was... I was crying. I was crying. It wasn't about, it was never about my tire. I wanted to make it about my tire. It wasn't about my tire. What was it about? It was about the kingdom. It's always about the kingdom. It's never about my tire. It's about the kingdom. So if you turn to John 17, 14, Jesus said, I have given them the diatessaron. I have given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now this next verse is where I have, I, I missed it in the early part of my ministry. Actually, I think I didn't even know it was in my Bible. Look at what Jesus said. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, I looked last night, and Generation Z, the, the newest generation that they keep statistics on, Generation Z, when they ask them if they even have a belief or a faith in God, 15% say they have a faith in God. 85% are happy to be called agnostics, or whatever you want, whatever you want to call them. The church is not something that they cherish or that they want to be a part of. So Jesus is praying to the Father and actually telling us what he's not praying. Jesus said, I'm not praying that you would be taken out of the world. I don't pray that you would create a little subculture and remove yourself from the world. I do not pray that you remove yourself from the big, black, evil, dark world. But as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But when you go out into the world, you're gonna find out how much you need me, and my truth will be your anchor. And I will sanctify you with that truth because my word is truth. 
But in essence, Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you, Father, that you take them out of the world. So we are to be in this world, but not of it. And from where I stand, people that I rub shoulders with, people that are outside, people that are in the world, are just waiting for people to come and enter their world. I see it, I see it all the time. Testimony after testimony this week about people that were outside of God's world, outside of the church, and somebody went out there and they were salt and light and they were drawn to Jesus and they met through the Holy Spirit. They met the God who created them and loved them and redeemed them and wanted to restore them. One lady that comes to mind, 20 years doing drugs. 20. And her cousin would not give up on her. He kept praying and praying and reaching out and loving. And then finally, one day, he was ready to give up. And she called him. It was after 20 years of drug addiction. She called him. And she had an experience with Jesus. He led her to the Lord. Now she's in the body of Christ, but she doesn't spend very much time there. She's out there on a, on a reconnaissance mission, trying to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And she invited people to join her. So often in the church, we call worldliness external things. As if somehow Christianity is an external behavioral modification program. Last time I checked, it was an internal heart transformation process that Jesus is the only one who can bring that transformation. It's about the condition of our hearts. What I see the church doing over the last 40-some years of ministry, I've seen the church moving out of the world, moving out of the world, into a place where God wants us, obviously. We are his church. We are his body. It's important that we gather in his name. And we say, that's a big, bad, evil world out there. You don't want to go out into it. And Jesus does call it worldly. But the Bible says that worldly things, well, I'll let, I'll let the Bible speak. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23. 
They're talking about how people get defiled and who's defiled. And Jesus went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles the person. For it is written from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside of a person and defile them. They're all conditions of the heart. So Jesus says, I want you to be in that world out there, but not of it. You need to be formed according to a different pattern of the world. You need to let me sanctify you with my truth. But you have to admit that your heart is just as defiled as theirs without Jesus. Right? I'm not going out on a stepladder saying, whoa, look at you. I'm coming saying, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like. I know where my life was when I was in control of it. But now I've come to the cross, and the blood of the Lamb has cleansed me. And now I have a testimony of God's goodness. And now I have a decision. Am I going to live in my own self-centeredness, or am I going to let God be the center of who I am? It's what comes out of a person that defiles them. But so often, and I know I felt this way, I felt this way. It's pretty uneasy when you're around a group of people that have been doing drugs for 20 years, when you see the world, and to go out into that. That's why Jesus said, what you need is protection from the evil one. Because you have the victory. You may not believe it, but you have the victory. I am your victory. And so you live, you live in me. So, if we remove ourselves from the world, the only problem is we brought the anger of the world inside. We brought the envy of the world inside. We brought the gluttony and the gossip and the slander inside because we're defiled from our hearts. Sin defiles us. It's very hard to change a world, though, that you're not in. It's hard to change a world that you're not in. And so Jesus said, you are salt. You are light. And salt and light are transformation agents. But if we're the same substance of the world, we cannot change it. If we are not engaged with the world, we cannot change it. The only place for salt is not in the salt shaker. It's in the food. And I envision Lebanon to be a big salt shaker. And all of the sodium chloride element, all of the salt are in here. And I envision this of every church. I envision God wanting to come down, pick up the salt shake, and go, shh, 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 
that his salt might permeate the world, that his light would penetrate the darkness of the world. Lebanon, you are positioned to be salt and light in this world. And that is my prayer, that you will be salt and you will be light in the world. I read of a community that had a power failure, and the power was out for like three days. And the only building that had a light in it was the church because uh, they had one of those generators. And the light went forth from the building, and guess what happened? People began to draw to the building for the light, for the air conditioning, right? They came because they had a need. And that was, that was a week where Jesus brought many people into the kingdom. Nobody says, I'm afraid of the light. I've never heard anybody say that. I'm afraid of the light. So as we bring Jesus' light into this world, people are drawn to it. I'm going to close with this. Salt you put on your food and you don't see it. But it flavors your food. And it preserves your food. Light, we're able to see one another, but light does not call attention to itself. So you are salt. You are light. This congregation has such a sweet spirit of Jesus' love among you and love for others. You are salt and light. I encourage you, and I know in the months and years to come, the issue for me and for you and for all of God's people is going to be not the blood of the Lamb, not the word of the testimony. It's going to be willing to offer ourselves unto death so that Jesus can salt and light this world and bring people into his kingdom. So, in the uh, weeks and months to come, years to come, pray for me because I'll be out there. I'll be out there. I'm going to be out there trying to be the salt and be the light for Christ. If I can send anybody your way as I see people in life's journey, believe me, I will do that. Because I know that this congregation is being sent by God to be the salt and the light. Let's pray.
Lord, my prayer is that we would be the body of Jesus Christ. And in our seemingly normal, insignificant, everyday lives, that we would see them as an adventure where we can passionately step into places of darkness and into places that need salt. This is your time, Lord, for Lebanon, Evangelical Presbyterian Church, to arise and to shine. I pray that you would let your light shine from this congregation, that they may see the good works and come to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Father, I thank you for the awesome privilege of serving here and experiencing your love and your grace and your presence to these beautiful people. I thank you for putting your light and your life inside of each one of them. And I pray, Lord, that they will not have a spirit of fear that stops them. I pray that they would not have a spirit of fear that cripples them or immobilizes them from stepping into their true identity and purpose and destiny. And that is to be your children who proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Enable them, Lord, to step into their destiny so that they may be salt and light and they may be the part of the body that brings people into the kingdom. I pray, Lord, that they will have the courage to take risks so that wherever they are, whatever they do, They will glorify your name. I pray for Pastor Philip. I pray, Lord, your anointing upon him. I pray that you would continue to use him to faithfully bring your word so that your word can be the change agent in each of their lives. I thank you, Lord, that from this congregation, the light of Jesus Christ will continue to shine brightly and passionately to bring people into the kingdom. Bless this church, I pray. There's a prayer on your heart.